0: Finn. Alright. Are you guys hot, Tyler? Yeah, they're We're hot. Roger, Rich is good to go. Yes, sir. Rich, what's up, buddy?
1: What's going on, James?
0: Nothing, just freaking living the dream. In the middle of nowhere.
2: B F E, right? Still got five
0: G. Still got five G, that's right. We got a cell phone tower up. Okay. I'm gonna do, uh I'm going to mute you guys out. I'm going to do a little bit of an intro, and you'll hear me do some rambling bullshit, and then I'm just going to introduce you guys, and we'll do our chatting for whenever. I I probably only have an hour on my cameras because of the battery, so um, usually we can go as long as you guys want to, but this could be an easy two-hour one, but I know you guys are going to hunt, so if you got to go in 40 minutes or 45 or whatever, just just say, hey, dude, we got to step out. Okay. I'm going to mute you. Hey, talk one more time so I can hear the volume on your call.
3: Testing one, two, three.
0: That's pretty loud. That's good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Isn't Okay. Good
3: Hashtag dude. jealous girlfriend.
0: Roger, Roger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to pop up. Okay. All right, dude, I'm going to mute us out and um, mute you guys out and we're going to do a little bit of an intro. What's up, guys? I'm James O'Neill with O'Neill Ops, your host of the Predator Hunter podcast. We've got Keith Rissi as co host, and this is the place where we break it down. We go into detail with the equipment that we use and how we use it, application specific. I think we've got an awesome show put together for you tonight. If everything pans out, we've got Tyler Adair and Rich Ashara from Ultimate Night Vision. And this has been something I've wanted to do for quite a while. We've been working with them for years regarding night vision and and thermal imaging. And I'm just going to take a quick minute to, to briefly summarize kind of our relationship with them. Well, first of all, a lot of you guys that are familiar with what we do already, uh, you know that we went to the state and got some legislation passed. The whole time we were in touch with Tyler, and I mean, he knows pretty much everything there is to know about night hunting, thermal, night vision, et cetera. He's the go-to guy. And we got a lot of information from him. And not only that, we got a lot of equipment from him. And for us, that's a huge asset because we get tons of questions, just like the suppressor deal, where, you know, being able to run numerous makes, models of manufacturers, equipment that a lot of guys unfortunately can't afford it allows us a venue, a way to help those guys make an educated decision based on our experience so that you know we can get them into the piece of equipment that, that suits them for their application. So working with Tyler and, and Rich and all the fellas down at Ultimate Night Vision, it's just uh, an awesome setup for us because not only does it help us give you guys more insight, but he allows us to utilize tools for our lifestyle, for, for our living, to protect our investment, to protect the animals that we raise for the world's food. And we look at that equipment as tools. It's not just for fun. It's not just for game. It's, it's a job. And a lot of guys need to look at it from that perspective, because I think, unfortunately, a lot of guys don't, they just don't understand. So with that said, I'm going to introduce, uh, well, I'll let Tyler and Rich introduce themselves and kind of go over, you know, who they are, what they do. You guys can just kind of chat about, you know, Tyler, introduce yourself first and then Rich can, can introduce himself and kind of tell us what he does. And we'll just, just ad lib it. We're just going to, I don't have anything written down. We're just going to chat. I'm going to ask you guys questions, detailed questions, and, uh, we'll just, we'll go from there.
3: Well, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Um, in a nutshell, I am, I am the owner-operator at Ultimate Night Vision. I am addicted to night vision and night hunting and have been for a couple decades. And uh, about uh, 10 years ago, I started this company um, to rent thermal night vision and sell thermal night vision, and the rest is history. It's been a crazy ride, been a lot of fun, I have to do a lot of hunting, meet a lot of cool people, and uh, here we are today.
0: Rich? Yep.
1: Go for it. All right. Uh, My name is Rich. I work at Ultimate Night Vision. I think this is right about a little over five years now. um, Before starting with Ultimate Night Vision and Tyler, I had my own night vision company uh, for about a year. But uh, Tyler was obviously the man uh, relating to all things business and all things night vision. So we teamed up and I've been working there ever since. And a lot of the videos that we
3: have. Well, the majority of the videos we have, some of them, or one of them, I think just hit 50 million views was the content from you, James, and Rich, Rich usually puts all that together. So along with, uh, being an expert on night vision, he is an expert video editor and, well, kill shot video editor, uh, would be more specific, I guess you'd say.
0: He knows what he's doing. He, know, he, definitely, he knows what I, he's doing. Yes, I ask him yeah. quite a bit. Rich has helped me a lot, immensely, on the YouTube deal. The analytics, the algorithm, that's freaking crazy. I mean, I I just throw shit at the wall to see if it'll stick, and he says, dude, do it this way, and it's the right way. Hey, did did, did that video of you guys the other night hit a million views on Facebook? Uh, was, I, think it's, I think it's pretty close. Is it really? I haven't looked.
1: Yeah, I haven't looked this afternoon, but it was, yeah, I think it was about 900,000 last time I looked.
2: <laughs> Rich, were you
3: following? Well, I mean, that? it was just a video of running over hogs in a Tacoma and sticking a Diablo out the window and doing a drive-by.
2: Ametine
0: was he doing a yeah, drive-by.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who wants to see that, right?
2: <laughs> no, who doesn't yep. want to see that? Fun stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yep, hit a million.
0: That's awesome. So, hey, Tyler, on... Oh, what, I mean, what is some of the incentive that you had to get started into it? You know, I mean, you had to have some kind of, you you didn't just go, Hey, you know, this, how did you fall into it? Or did you plan it? Or, I mean, were you thinking you knew there was a market there with the the hog situation? How did you get into this, into your business?
3: So I have have been a, a lifelong pig hunter, mostly deer hunting, day hunting. Um, and then when I got into my early twenties, I got into night hunting and I actually at the time worked just for a company that rented equipment. And so one day I just had this idea, I you know, I want to buy a thermal, but man, they're expensive. I wonder if you can rent them. And at the time you didn't know there was nowhere to rent them. So that's how it all started. I said, you know, what? I'm going to buy one. So I just bought one thermal, started renting it, bought another one, started renting it before you, you know, and I had I think we had 30 rental units, and that was that was kind of the the heyday of of renting. Um, I mean, it was just rentals went crazy, and then that was before we even got into the sales, and that just blew up. So that that's really how it how it started was I went looking for a scope, and you know because of the price point, thought it'd be nice if you could rent it. Couldn't rent it, so I just figured I'd do it myself, and it worked out.
2: How does your rental system? How do you have it set up as far as does a guy rent it for a week, uh, two weeks, or how yeah, does so it Yeah, so basically, it's a weekend rental.
3: We do okay. we do three-day and a 10-day. So basically, um, you know, somebody calls in or emails in, gets in touch with us. And uh, we set them, basically, we send them a form to fill out. They fill out a form. Um, we credential them, make sure they're, you know, don't have any um, indicators on their background check that, you know, would indicate that they're trying to take a unit or anything like that. And sure. then we... Send them a unit and include a return label. They use it and send it back.
2: Let's say I was it's getting week- ready to to maybe come down there for a hog hunt or anywhere or a Kiowa, anything. Mm-hmm. How, what's my like? I want to rent one from you. How long are you looking? As far as I call you and contact you, how long before I have that in my hands? You think?
3: I mean, in, in some cases, it's the same day.
2: Just oh, depends. Really? So yeah.
3: normally we do, yeah, normally do we do re- weekend rentals. But if you called me today and said, "Hey, I need something tomorrow," we could do that. Really, we work out, Yeah.
0: For those, well, not
3: now, but I mean tomorrow, right? Yeah, right. for five o'clock.
0: Yeah. For guys that are out there listening and like, hey, you know what? That might be a pretty good, pretty nice little gig, or you know what, nice little weekend. What would a guy be looking at? Average cost to get into your your average rental period. You know what is it? Two days, three days, five days. The average guy that comes down, what's his average rental period and his rate to get into something? So,
3: yeah. So in Texas. We we usually ship rentals on Wednesdays. They usually arrive on Thursdays, guaranteed by Fridays, and they keep them over the weekend and send them back on Monday. Or you're dropping off, you can pick them up. Dropping off, you drop off on Tuesday. It's about 250 bucks for a middle of the road thermal weapon site. It's 200 bucks for a helmet like a, a night vision, you know, complete as 14. And then we have you know nicer units like a, a Mark III for like 350 bucks. So. In that price range, is at two hundred to three hundred and fifty dollars.
0: What do you think those guys are seeing? I mean, are most of your customers? Do you talk to some of those guys to see? It's obviously your job to fit them with the 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 weapon sites, the equipment, but it's their job to locate the ranch or you know the the, the rancher, or the farm, wherever to hunt. What are those guys pulling success rate wise? That are going to they pretty satisfied with what's going on with their hunt.
3: I would think so, rich, what would you say? I'd, I'd say it's either it's either they're really satisfied or they're mad at us because they've missed something. Yeah, <laughs> the shot missed. We think rich yeah we get
1: we get a lot of emails uh, telling us all the hogs that people kill or the coyotes that people kill. I mean generally it seems to be uh, super positive, but if you go somewhere and there's there's no hogs or there's no coyotes, I mean there's not much you can do about that. Sure. but I mean the thermal is gonna increase your chances uh, exponentially. So
3: I'd say, yeah, 90% of people are happy. I mean, we we get a lot of, you know, like, holy crap. I can't believe how awesome this stuff is just because a lot of guys don't know, you know, they're, they're expecting one thing from a thermal and they get in their hands and like, like y'all have seen, it's, it's a whole new world. You know, it's right. Right. Now it's not a, it's not a blob out there. I mean, it's crystal clear. You can see every little detail.
2: So is, is Rich's phone ringing off the hook on the weekends for these first timers per se that don't know how to. To, to zero it in or do anything like that. How does, how does that work? So, you know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, like we did with the person. I would, I would person. hate to be the weekend guy to, just to answer your phone.
3: Yeah, all, all of our phones are usually ringing off the hook.
2: Yeah, I could see that. But, uh, yeah. But, not um, too
1: bad. I mean, we we try to set people up and answer people's questions beforehand. Sure, um, set their expectations realistically, and if they have questions about citing them in and stuff like that, we usually go over it with them over the phone. You um, bet. So,
0: questions most, most up people, yeah.
1: yeah, most people um, have a pretty smooth process. I mean, yep. we we try to tell people to set aside an extra hour or two to get it sighted in, in and get get familiarized with the menus and stuff like that because yeah. there is a learning curve, but yeah. most people do okay.
2: But if you're getting it on Thursday and your hunt's the weekend, you know, that's, sets up pretty nice.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
3: not too bad.
2: So what have,
0: from when you started, Tyler, uh, doing what you're doing with the thermal and night vision compared to what's out there now, what have you seen? What are some of the, I, I talked to uh, David Rizdahl and kind of quizzed him about it when he came out a couple, it was two years ago this fall, I think. And he, he's an engineer from Fleer. You actually put him in touch with us. What, it? what have you seen in the advancements of Let's let's say thermal first. And then it's, then let's talk about night vision.
3: Well, the main thing in thermal I've seen against is for the price. Honestly, I'm, um, when I got into it, a 640, 2.5 um, weapon sight was, you know, twelve thirteen thousand dollars 13000 Now we're seeing that more around the five thousand six thousand dollars range. So the performance has gotten better, but it's still 640. Um, so the, the resolution hasn't increased. Um, the lenses have gotten smaller because the pixel picture has gotten smaller. But the price has come way down. Way down.
0: Do you you think that trend's going to continue? I mean, do you, or is there a point there where it's, you can't with the technology, you know, the, the advancements in technology, do you think that it's going to continue down that route to, to cheapen up, or are they going to make so, so high a quality, nasty, good stuff that they're going to actually, you know, maintain that price or increase it for the, for the good stuff?
3: You know, I, I, I wish I knew it's kind of a loaded question, but I mean it's getting better. I mean some of the stuff even if it's 6, you know, 640 10 years ago compared to 640 today. I mean, there's definitely a, um, a difference in the displays, difference in the size of the units, difference in the the camera cores and the image processing. But until we until we hit 1280 and get a small 1280, I don't really see a huge, huge leap in performance.
0: What's going to what's going to take to get that? Explain to these guys what you mean by 1280 the resolution.
3: Yeah, so just so uh, the highest resolution available right now is 640 core, 640 by 480. And there are such things as 1280 cores. Uh, they're just not commercially available. Well, they are commercially available now, uh, but they're not, they're not in weapon sites, in monoculars they're, It's not a, not a camera core that is widely used. They're super expensive. So until, until we get a higher resolution, I don't really see much else
0: happening. Is that a? Uh, is that like a? What kind of? Is that just a core that's cooled with like a heat sink, or is there something else going on with that twelve eighty?
3: All these, yeah, these are just long wave, um, uncooled cores. None of them are cooled. Okay, so they've, they've, kind of, they've, they've improved the 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 non-uniformity correction. The the new the image, basically, yeah, the new. Um, with processing, but they're still uncooled. There are some th- There are some cameras that don't need, you know, don't need as much
0: nuking, but they're still not cooled. Cooled is a whole different realm. That's awesome. Not, we're not going to yeah. see anything like that probably ever. Nah, not, not, not anytime soon. There's also some government restrictions. Yeah, I on could. on certain
3: items like that. So, I got gotcha. you until until those twelve eighty cores are. Available and widely used, and until certain restrictions are lifted, then we're, we're kind of stuck with what we are, what we have today, which is cooled camera course and mostly 640, but a, a couple 12, 1280s out there.
0: I'm and you, if you look through the Trizicon stuff, I mean the the 640 with the 12 processor, it, it to me is. I don't see how you can get a whole lot better than that or why you would, why you would need something better. That's, that's pretty damn good. But for the guys that have no, I mean, why idea, do you need
3: a Raptor James?
0: You know, that's kind of, you got You got me on that one. <laughs> why? wait well, hey, hey, if we're working with guys like you and there's <laughs> a 1280, we're... <laughs> how are you going to do a 90 foot Raptor
2: jump without a Raptor dude?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you, we're I, if there is one available we'll and you're we're working with you, we're going to try freaking our damn best to get it. So for guys that don't have a that just don't know, because do, the guys that I talk to on the phone that are interested in thermal, even though I probably don't need to, I run them through the ringer just with just with some of the tech aspects that I know. Like, well, hey, do you know what 640 is versus a 320 or a, or a 384? Um. Sorry, dude, I got another. Now, uh, are you still there? Yeah. Okay, so what, I mean, like I said, I kind of give guys an idea. Well, it's it's like the, the, the germanium lens size also. You got a bigger lens, you get more magnification, you get less field of view, which is kind of the same with the day optic. You zoom in, you lose your field of view. But explain to guys the, the major differences between the, basically right now, the two types of thermals. Like the three, like the resolutions, the six forty versus the three eighty four, and then, and then tell us about like the 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 cores, like the seventeen versus the twelve, and what those mean. Let's get into a little bit of detail.
3: Yeah, so the resolution is pretty straightforward. It's how many pixels
0: um,
3: are on the sensor. So there's six hundred fifty or forty pixels by four hundred eighty pixels, or it's three eighty four by two eighty eight, or three twenty by two forty. That's just the resolution. It's just the input resolution. Can't change it. There's nothing. There's nothing you can do to the unit to make it higher resolution. It just is what it is. The the pixel pitch is the size of each pixel. So, like you see, twelve micron. That's the size of each each individual pixel is twelve microns wide on a twelve micron camera core. So on a you know, 25 micron camera core each pixel is about twice as wide and tall so that means that the sensor is about twice as big on a 25 micron camera which means you need a lens that's about twice as big to get the same performance so really what it all boils down to is the smaller the pixel pitch the smaller lens you need to get the same performance which translates in to the lip the you know less money you have to spend on an on a lens to get the same
0: performance gotcha um what does that I mean does that absolutely no that how, absolutely okay. yeah, that's a perfect that's that's exactly what we're looking for because guys you know they, they may not care to know it but it gives them an idea And it's, it's i think personally it's something really good for for fellas to know and understand as 90% of the guys I talk to don't, and they, you know, and 90% of them are glad that we kind of run them through it. Uh, what, that, that, you know what, before we go into some of the different manufacturers, because I think you probably hammered through thermal pretty decent regarding, you know, the, the, the sensor, the display, etc. cetera. Um, let's take a quick look at night vision. What, what are some of the advancements you've seen in night vision from when you started to what you're seeing now? Honestly,
3: there really hasn't been a lot of, a lot of advance in technology that I can think of. Rich, what do you, what do you think? I mean, I, they had film this when there's, we got into it.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's kind of been a, I'd say a shift, but I wouldn't say any um, major breakthroughs or, or advancements. The biggest thing was probably the, or the biggest couple of things would be the shift from um thin film Gen 3 tubes to filmless Gen 3 tubes. Now, um, it's pretty widely accepted that the filmless Gen 3 tubes are going to be the highest performing tubes. And then just trend-wise, most people are moving or have a preference for white phosphor over green phosphor tubes, um, which tends to is just kind of a, a personal preference rather than, than a performance aspect. You're not going to get um, any additional performance gains with a white phosphor tube over an equivalent green phosphor tube, but that's just kind of how the market's going. Um, and it's driven a little bit by the military. The military's transitioning mostly over from green to white phosphor.
0: And there's no real reasoning behind that other than, I mean, there's, if, if they're, if they're transitioning from the green to the white, there's gotta be, is is there a better, is there, is there more distinct contrast and targets little, little, little things like that that you might see?
1: Um, I think, uh, if you ask people who use it, some people may say they get a little bit better contrast. I don't notice a difference personally.
2: Um, I, yeah, I don't a lot of people
1: say it. A lot of people say it's easier on the eyes. And to me, it is, it was a welcome change from using green for so long that white was refreshing. But I think, I think that could easily happen the opposite way. If I was using white phosphor and switched to green, I would probably think the same thing. So if you look
3: around on the internet, yeah you'll see that there are studies that green is better uh you know you can the human eye can see green easier and you'll see people say oh the the white the phosphors is better or easier than eyes but really it is just a personal preference i mean i it's 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 not a big enough difference for me to you know walk out the door and go oh, i have to have white or green either one works just fine it comes down to what you want what you can you know what you can find what you can afford so looking at that and, and right now what's in stock because there's not much. <laughs> it's, there's a, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of demand for night vision at the moment.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I, it's, I can see I've had a lot of guys asking a lot of crazy ass stuff in, in, and right, by rightfully so to tell you the truth. I mean, shit with the shit show that's going on. I'd freaking if I could, I mean, sure. absolutely. It's an, it's, it's an asset to have. That's for damn sure. Uh, So I've heard some guys saying that you're going to get less life on a tube with a filmless tube versus, you know, one that's filmed. Explain, is that, is, is it not going to matter regarding, you know, how long you're going to own it or is that just not the truth?
3: Rich, how many film, how many filmless tubes have you had that have died from overuse?
1: Yeah, I think that, that was an issue or thought to be an issue, um, a long time ago, but it's just not the case. These these tubes are manufactured to go to the military. The military has a um, mean time to failure of 10,000 hours, which I think mean time to failure is defined by um, where the tube has reached 50% of its original performance. And I think the tubes that they're currently manufacturing, including filmless tubes, are are lasting um, much longer than that. But I mean, they easily meet the mean time to failure of uh 10, hours which if you know for most people even even the heaviest users you're you're really not going to approach those numbers i've i've had the same filmless white phosphor tube for five years now i use it one or two times a week eight hours each night i use it and i mean i don't notice any difference what compared is- to when i got it and compared to newer tubes
0: well, it, say your tube starts to degrade your your tube goes down. What are you looking at to replace that? I mean, is it going if you already have your housing and everything else, is you just toss it, you, you send it in, have a new tube put in. What are you looking at for a cost for something like that?
1: Well, you you really, the failure rate is really low on intense fire tubes if some and it depends on what happens to it, but the most common failure is going to be the power supply failing. And if that's the case, you're looking at about $500 to repot the tube with a new power supply. So um, that's why you see these warranties that are so long on, on night vision is because the failure rate is so low. So it's not it's not much of an issue or not something to really worry about. But, I mean, if the tube does fail, like if if it loses its vacuum seal and it, it actually fails, the tube's definitely the most expensive part of that unit, any night vision device. So you're looking at pretty much the entire cost of the device if that tube goes down. But I mean, um, I, don't, I don't think I've seen any um, failure of a tube besides the power supply in the five years that I've been doing it, um, that we've sold anyway. Um, I, I've seen people make posts on the internet about a tube quote going to air that's losing its vacuum seal, but um, that's maybe once or twice
0: and does, that, time, mean, does uh, that mean of, does that mean it's toast? Does that mean it's freaking toast? Yeah, it's toast. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's very rare for some for an occurrence to happen like that. I mean, every once in a while, and it's pretty rare too, is, is the power supply goes out. But I mean, even even then, that's that's really uncommon. I think maybe I've only personally known of a, a handful of times that's happened, in all the all the. Uh, items that I've known I've owned myself or sold or um, that were sold to somebody who I know. So it's pretty
3: rare. The only time I've seen it happen is on a tube from the 1990s.
0: Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Huh.
0: That's, that's good. That's nice to know. Really. I mean, to a lot of guys, a little bit of incentive. Uh, what's the difference between a filmed versus versus unfilmed?
1: Well, that could be uh, hard. Um, I guess I don't word, know how long word, uh, you want.
3: Just, I mean, um, it,
0: it, do you? I mean, I'm assuming unfilmed. You're gonna get a little bit brighter, a little bit better picture because there's there's less in there. Just, I mean, if you.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll try to explain it in a concise manner. I don't, I don't know if I'll succeed. So when they first started manufacturing Gen three tubes. They were having issues with the tube, um, the tubes burning out too quickly. And it was because of, uh, the chemical poisoning that happened within the tube. So their solution for that was to put this ion barrier, this film over the microchannel plate to prevent this, uh, this poisoning of the photocathode from those, um, impurities that were inside the tube. So that, protected the tube and extended the tube life but it also um prevented some of the light coming through from to be uh from being converted from a photon to an electron um and going to the output side of the tube so you get some increased protections but also you're losing some performance um but uh, L3 figured out a way to basically um manufacture the tubes and scrub out all of those impurities or the, the vast majority of those impurities in the tube. Um, and so we're able to manufacture those without the ion barrier and therefore getting greater performance while also still getting the, uh, the, the runtime that they needed. So I guess that's the best way that I can describe it without going into too much detail.
0: That's good. And are you seeing like uh, that? You said that's only in the gen three tubes when they started doing that, when they kind of, broke that down
1: yes yeah that was i think that was just because the chemical makeup of gen 3 tubes the uh, gallium arsenide uh, photo cathode that was susceptible to ion poisoning
0: so when you look at a tube and or when you look through like when we have we've got a couple of pvs 14s that that we're using from from you guys and once you get the diopter and your focus i mean finely tuned to your eye, you can see the chicken wire, the honeycombs. Explain to guys what that is.
1: Um, well, honeycomb and chicken wire are, I guess, those are, those are two different things. Um, honeycomb is something that you're going to see in any tube if you get in bright enough conditions, and especially if you're looking at like a, a light surface. So um, oh, well, a lot of
2: times at, people will at buy... What? Light service?
1: A, a light surface, oh, okay. like, a, gotcha, gotcha. like a white wall, a white wall or like a cloud or something like that on an overcast night. So a lot of times people buy a night vision device. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to go in their bathroom or their closet and they're going to look at a white wall with it and with the illuminator on. And in those conditions, you're going to see the structure of, I think it's the fiber optic twist that's in the output side of the tube. It looks like a little honeycomb. So that's just inherent in the in the structure of the tube, and that's totally normal as long as it's not something that's visible or distracting under normal conditions. Uh, chicken wire is – I don't know if chicken wire is a different thing or just a more extreme version of that. Maybe Tyler can expand on that, but, but that's that's kind of like a, I'd say a cosmetic blemish or defect in a tube, which is just going to be – dark lines uh that you'll see dark patterns throughout the output side of the tube that you can see under most conditions or all conditions
3: i think that's exactly the differences um the, between the two terms one is inherent in the tube and one is a blemish um yeah. and there's a there's a scale from you know having to put it on a white wall to see it to always seeing it um doesn't mean it's a bad tube doesn't mean that it's a uh, performing it can be kind of annoying but usually it's only under high light conditions and or higher light conditions and uh, it's, not a, it's not a big problem.
0: So when somebody's gonna buy a tube, let's go into details. Uh, somebody wants to buy a high quality tube versus a low quality tube. Um, you have, might have some like you said some very mild imperfections. you might have a little bit more moderate imperfections on on that tube. What are all of the factors from from the from the blemishes to the line pair to the signal noise? If you can just touch base on all of those to give guys an idea, because we have I have a lot of guys asking me to like, hey man, you know what would would be good PVS fourteen to get or night vision, and I am like, it depends on you know what kind of tube you are after. Explain to guys the introductory tube with you know the little bit lesser quality versus the the more the higher quality, the more coveted tubes. We don't
3: really sell low quality tubes, um, so I don't know much about them. Um, I'm, I mean, I know they're good out answer. there, but
2: I, fucking good yeah, answer. All,
3: all of all the, the tubes that we sell are going to be good, you know, excellent or you know, incredible. I don't even know how you want to classify them, but um, the, one of the most popular tubes we sell, um, we call them seventeen because that's the commercial contract. Um, they're they're all. know mostly good or excellent performing tubes i would say it's one of this is a topic that's really really overthought overdone um kind of a you know guys getting a piston match over you know specifications a lot of times you'll never even be able to to see or to to understand what they're or do people visual visually visualize um, the difference between you know a, a 25 and a 30 and a 30 and a 32 signal to noise or 34 to 35, but in general, you know, for signal to noise, 25 is is good, usable. 30 is great. Anything above 30 is excellent. Um, and most of the tubes we sell, actually, I don't think I've, I can't remember the last time we sold a tube under 25, but they're out there, and they're not bad tubes. It just just depends on what you're doing with them. Um, I know guys that have tubes that are, you know, 25, 26 signal noise, and they can drive around with them just fine, as long you know, because they're not out in a, in a super dark forest. And then other guys that, you know, need that 35 signal noise to like, – like Rich when he goes hauling off, you know, tromping through the woods trying to find a pig he, he shot that, you know, ran into the woods 350 yards, and there's zero light in there. He can't see. So he needs some. He needs really good night vision. No, right, or rich thermal or thermal. Or thermal. Hey, there we go. There
0: we yeah. go. We're gonna, I, we're I gonna go there. Just, we're going there,
2: rich. You wanted just shit. to
1: break it. <laughs> yeah, just to break it down into general terms. Um, if if you want a good baseline for a tube that that's going to be excellent all around and um, have you know there's not going to be any sort of deficiency in any area, um, just get go for a mil spec tube. The government has minimum specifications for all these different things that uh, that you've mentioned. And if you buy a mil-spec tube, you're guaranteed to get a tube that meets all those minimum specifications, both performance-wise and cosmetically. Um, if you want to find a tube that is a better value... Like the UNV tubes. Kind of done well, I mean, we sell mil-spec tubes and we sell commercial tubes. Um, the commercial, the mil-spec tubes... If you buy one, you're guaranteed to get a baseline of a really good minimum specs and you're not going to get anything less than that. Uh if you have done your research and you know what you're looking for or if you want some better value, you can buy a commercial tube which may meet or exceed um those specs, those minimum specs that you can expect from a mill spec tube um and save some money while doing it. So but, but it
3: will have it's, one area where it doesn't, which makes it a commercial tube. Like, for example, it could be that the tube takes more than half a second to turn on. Oh, you know, do you gotcha. really care about that? Or the tube, you know, has um, a high EBI or a high, one of those, spe- those, you know, the specs that are taken into account for mill spec tubes could be out of spec, but the rest of the tube could be sky high and it'd be an awesome tube to use, awesome tube to own. What's EBI? So it really gets kind of
1: equivalent background okay Yeah, equivalent background illumination basically it's kind of sets the noise floor of the tube so it's the the noise that's created in the tube or, or what you see in the tube when no light is on the photo cathode so um it in practical terms it comes out to if you have a tube with really high ebi especially in in hot conditions you may have a more hazy looking image with less contrast than a, a comparable tube that has low EBI. So, but all, all this stuff is, I mean, you can really get, get into the weeds with, with this stuff, but, um, generally you're going to want a tube that has a lower EBI, but. Uh, but at the no same spec. time, if like
3: you got a calm spec, it's got a, you know, sky high, um, that's and everything else in the EBI is, you know, 1.5 instead of 0.9 is really it's not something that's it's not a big deal you know it's not something you should make a a in decision over in my mind I don't know what you think rich but that's that's kind of what I think about it
1: yeah I mean tube tubes are really uh, it's not the it's not a perfect analogy but tubes are like diamonds they're all going to have um, some flaws they're all going to have certain characteristics that are higher or more desirable than, uh, than other ones um, so The best thing to do is do your research. If you have questions, if you're confused about stuff, give us a call. We're happy to explain stuff. It's easy to explain stuff uh, as it pertains to something specific rather than just generally uh, saying this is the gospel about tubes because a lot of it's relative, a lot of it's subjective, a lot of it um, you could attribute to diminishing returns in terms of the amount of money that you spend to try to get better specs on a tube or the amount of time that you spend looking for the perfect tube, whether that's going to be worth it for your application and going to be worth waiting that long or worth spending the extra money to get some sort of incremental or marginal improvement in the tube. So the best thing to do if you're not sure is just to give us a call.
0: Gotcha. But basic rundown, if they were going to get one from UNV it's going to be a, it's going to be a good tube. I mean, they're going to, yeah, we're
1: going to, we're going to set you up with a good tube and we're going to ask you what your budget is, uh, what's, what you're going to do with it. If you have any certain specific preferences or requirements and then, and then, uh, help you pick out a tube that's going to meet all those things.
0: So we'll shoot you straight every
3: time. Don't worry.
0: Absolutely. So you would be, probably amazed if you knew how many guys that I talked to that ask the difference between thermal and night vision. We've, I think we might've talked about it a little bit on that night hunting podcast that we did, but what, what are some of your guys' takes to give guys to distinguish the differences between night vision and thermal imaging?
1: In the context of hunting, um, and just generally usefulness, I would say thermal is going to be much more useful to hunters than night vision is, for the most part. Um, but they kind of go hand in hand and they they complement each other. I'll say that. But that's another topic where you can get you can get really into the weeds.
0: But well, we are going to go there for and, a little bit.
1: Okay, sure, <laughs> sure. For detection and for hunting, um, thermal in my opinion is going to be much more useful. Like if somebody asks me, you know, I have a certain amount of money. I can only afford to buy one thing. What's the most important or what's the first thing I should buy. Um, the thing that I'm going to recommend is a thermal weapon scope.
0: Okay. Now what happens if you're down in Texas and there's a bunch of pigs and they're rolling around in mud or there's a coyote that gets wet up here and his hide freezes, are you going to be able to see him with thermal? Yeah. That's a good question, James. Yeah, the answer's yeah. I'm <laughs> um, just joking with that. Okay, so, but so, I mean, but be go with the like a little bit. I mean, I say the same thing to guys. If if there, the way I explain it is we've probably killed another 20 coyotes more a year because of thermal versus night vision where we are walking in and we have a helmet-mounted scanner And if we didn't have it, we wouldn't see that heat signature bedded down 50 to 100 yards away, curled up. And then, you know, a lot of times we'll lay down, we'll lip squeak, boom, you'll pop up, come running in, we kill it. We would have walked right by that thing with night vision. We absolutely would not have seen it with night vision on the full moon, even with a snow cover in a good ambient light source. We would not have seen it. That's kind of how I explain it to guys uh, up here where we are but I'll, if, I'll, I'll, go ahead
3: I'll say thermal creates contrast between you know living things between animals and in the background, and that's really the the basis of, you know the, the that's that's why it's so useful night um, vision doesn't do that I vision you know amplifies um, light and thermal sees heat so like you're saying, you know, you're, you can walk out into a field and there can be a and you're just not going to see it. So in my mind, and in um, using thermal night vision the past 10 years, I can't think of a reason to use night vision except for, except for driving. And I know that sounds kind of funny coming from me, but I really don't have a lot of use for night vision except for driving or for navigating. And even then, you know, like in my hunting buggy, I just took the windshield
0: out so I could drive with thermal. So thermal really, and thermal is king in my book. So Where's that for hunting? So going there, uh, I don't, I try not to read a lot of stuff online that where guys have like, a you know, a, a, a piss and match or whatever you call it. But what's your thoughts on navigating with a helmet mounted thermal on foot or in a vehicle if you don't have, you know, any kind of thermal barrier? <laughs>
3: Well, it depends on who you talk to. Works just fine for me. How about you, Rich?
1: Um, I'd say it works 90, 95 to ninety nine percent of the time. I do have a couple stories where uh, where thermals failed me. I'd say if you're navigating on on pretty flat terrain or familiar terrain, um, either on foot or by vehicle, if you're driving on roads, if you're driving on a property where you where in a, in a pasture where you know there's not going to be Um, big ruts or or anything you know too out of the ordinary um, you're going to get around with thermal just fine i mean you want to use common sense um if you're on uneven really uneven terrain on a new piece of property you don't you don't know if there's going to be washouts you don't know if there's uh going to be hazards with water um sometimes t posts sticking up i wouldn't advise that with night vision either though right right yeah I agree. But yeah, I mean thermal generally is is going to be sufficient. Um I, I I do have one story where I stepped off into a canal uh with helmet mounted thermal where the water was covered by a bunch of algae and in the thermal that just looked like dirt and I stepped right on it and <laughs> went into my uh, up to my chest in water. So that was one situation where thermal didn't work out for me. Did but you, you the vast it? majority of, of the times um yeah, thermal is going to be just fine for navigation or or just just using your naked eye for navigating or a red light, honestly. I mean, most most nights, it just doesn't get that dark where you can't navigate um, just with your naked eye or with a red light if it gets really dark.
0: But for us, that's not tactical enough, so we don't do that. <laughs> no, hey. Uh, but I was wearing a
3: red light up there when I came down with James and he said, get that shit off your head so right now Just coyotes
0: and see red light up here dude south dakota coyotes Golly. can see red light <laughs> but i agree with tyler there's guy i have guys that tell me you can't you're going to get somebody hurt telling them that and i'm like man like rich said use common sense don't be stupid all right if you don't know the the layout of the land then freaking you, you might should go scout it out the day before you go hunt but i use we used
1: thermo- exactly go ahead yeah, I mean you can you can drive off into a you can drive into a washout or a culvert with your headlights on or in broad daylight if you're unfamiliar with proper. You just you that's what,
2: that's why culvert. we have raptors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, that's a good
0: that's a good point. It, that's a hundred. We got winches. That's yeah, right. yeah. I, we need to get one of those. Uh, but I use thermal on the helmet to. I literally I will walk up to a barbed wire fence. I will see the barbed wire. And I'll walk up to it and I'll reach out and I'll grab it all while I'm watching it with thermal. And I've had guys tell me that you can't do that. And I'm like, dude, I do it. I mean, I I do it every, almost every night when we go, you know, when we start hammering here in the next month. So I just if you're not to,
3: hurtling it at 10 miles an hour. Exactly. I'm not, I'm,
0: not, do I'm not doing a run and gun somersault style, <laughs> but... I, I agree with, I I like having the night vision option to, to, for especially up here guys, because it gets cold. I mean, it's, we, it's nice to be able to get into some of these sets where we do unfortunately see some of these coyotes that get, that get not only call shy, but light shy. We've seen it firsthand. So a lot of times later on in the season, we're getting into these sets in pitch black and we're using the PBS 14 to do it be able to look through the window on our pickup and drive right in the two track trail and get out without any pretty much any light source other than you know the park lights that come on when you open your door up but I I, I agree I, I I just was wondering what you guys's perspective was on navigating with thermal and hey what's your guys' thoughts on running a thermal on one side and a night vision on the other on a bridge you guys ever do that before
3: until you can buy a uh, tunnel for a
0: bridge, it's an acceptable compromise. What's
3: that? I said until you can buy another tunnel for that bridge, it's an acceptable compromise. <laughs>
1: that's Please. that's actually that's actually what I run. What I've been running for a long time. I, I don't know if I'm a pioneer on that or not, but been doing it for a long time. And I mean that's that's what works best for me. I have the night vision on my right eye for driving my truck. Cause I'm, I'm not in the side by side. I'm in the truck with the windshield. So I use the night vision for driving and then I have a thermal on my left eye for scanning out the window. And then, um, down here when we're hog hunting, we see some hogs get out. Once we get out of the truck, I usually just take the night vision off, leave it in the driver's seat and just stalk in with just the thermal.
0: Same thing. Yeah. That's exactly what we do. Same exact thing. Yep. Tyler, what did you say about the compromise? You kind of cut out a little bit.
3: Well, I said until you can get another thermal for for your bridge, that's an oh. acceptable compromise. <laughs> I, want okay. two, I want two two
0: thermals. Hey, yeah. you came oh. out with you came out with Chris not this last winter, but the winter fall before, and you had two skeet skeets. Yep. And those. Still got them. Oh man, is that what you run on your helmet? Is that like your go-to?
3: That's my go-to. So tell the guys
0: two. what are your Skeets kind of juiced up a little bit, or what? How, how are you set up?
3: just they're just. Uh, just off the shelf Trijicon Skeeters. I don't know if they're if they're ever going to make them again, or if they may start, you know, offering them again this year. Who knows? But they're, they're awesome little credit card sized, um, seventeen micron, uncooled VAE core uh, micro monocular, and the, the image on them is just insane. It's we,
0: outstanding. We looked through yeah. them. It's probably the best things I've ever seen. Freaking crazy. Yeah,
3: it's good stuff. Rich has one too, don't you, Rich? I do.
0: Is that the one you run, you, you run? Do you run one and then you... you, Rich, is that what you use a skeet on one and a PBS on the other? Yep, skeet on my left eye and PBS 14 on my right eye. So what do, I, how, how, do you guys ever... Tyler probably doesn't with his setup, but Rich, what's your thoughts on, on like the a pair of nods like you what i think michael Baclieri came out was it two years ago two or three maybe now gosh dang already he's a head loophole optics academy instructor and he had a pair of i think 31s and oh my gosh dude i was really impressed with those i put th- there was like zero weight to them things and i folded them down and i'm like oh yeah for driving around at night that would be freaking the way to do it
3: um I have a set of thirty ones. They're at the house
1: where they stay most of the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's if you're—I mean, if you're just ripping around in your Raptor and just having fun, want to drive at night that, doing or, sweet if jumps. You're doing,
2: uh, yeah.
1: If you're doing tactical stuff, then the binos. We are.
2: We are. The binos are. Yeah, it's
1: right up your alley. But,
2: then, binos yeah.
1: are good, but honestly,
2: you for thirty
1: ones,
3: yeah, yeah. For, if you need for those thirty
2: ones warmed up, Tyler, just send them on north. You got it. <laughs> they better be tan, though. No, they're not. What were you saying, Rich?
0: Yeah, Rich hammered out.
2: Tan is. I
1: was just saying, tan is twenty percent better. You get better performance. <laughs> um, no, for hunting, for hunting, when I've when I've used a set of DTMVGs, and VGs, a set of binos, I felt, I felt helpless. Like I, I just felt crippled. Like I couldn't. Just, the, I just spin. not having, not having that thermal. Not having that thermal to be able to scan stuff out the window um, just just did not feel right to me at all. I mean, you just you just miss so much stuff with night vision that um, a helmet-mounted thermal is one of the most useful additions that I've ever made to my set of equipment.
0: I can see that. What uh, what's your guys' was James sh-
3: flexing in the mirror again? What was going on just then? I'm looking
0: there? at myself in the window. Yeah. That's funny as shit. Uh, hey, what's – I have a bunch of guy, a lot of guys every so often ask about clip-ons, a thermal clip-on or a night vision clip-on. These guys – I mean, a lot of guys don't understand the concept of, of long range at night. And with what we do filming, I tell – I mean, most of the time, what are – 95-plus percent of our shots are 100 and in. Oh, sure. And we kind of make it a point to, to be that way because – the, I mean, we, we try to get some something cool, some you know, some really good close up footage and at night if, if, if you I don't want to pretend like we know what we're doing, but at night, if you take your time, you can you can close that distance to to get that close. But a lot of guys think that they're gonna get into using their day rig, you know, rigged out with their day optic and put an EFR, or whether they got an AR with a quad rail, and they, they ask about throwing on a PVS-30, so I run them through the ringer on, you know, well, you got to have some kind of either artificial light or ambient light source to make it work, otherwise you're not going to be real happy about it. And then, you know, they go, well, what about a thermal clip on? Is there any thermals? Then I've even had a couple of guys interested in that UTCX, too. But there's what the Snipe IR, I think Pulsar offers one. What's your guys's take for everybody out there That that would like to set their day rig up and utilize some kind of a thermal or night vision clip-on device. And what I mean, I tell them personally from from what we do. And you tell 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 me if I'm wrong, but I tell them with what we do, we rig our rifles up to be application specific. Like everything, we have a rifle; it's got a designated thermal or designated night vision unit. And that's how it stays. But a lot of guys, you got to look at their perspective. They can't afford it. So what's your take on that?
1: I think I can take this one. Uh, we get a lot, you get a lot of people, um, asking about clip ons. It's usually kind of the first thing that people think of. It just seems like the ideal thing. You know, I just, I just have this clip on that I just put in front of my day scope and, and, uh, change my day rig into a night rig. Um, There's, I guess, there's a lot of different factors in in why that sounds appealing Um, initially, but there's a lot of reasons why for most people that's not going to be the uh, the solution that they're looking for. So the first thing is a lot of one misconception is that a clip-on is going to be cheaper, which 100% is not going to be cheaper uh, to run a clip-on than a dedicated optic, either uh, night vision or thermal related, and especially thermal. So you're not going to save money on a thermal clip-on. They're going to be more expensive, um, all else being equal. And then um, specifically with thermal clip-ons, um, it's going to be even even more of a difference in price in terms of uh, you know what what your money gets you in terms of a the thermal clip-on. So a lot of people think, well, I get this thermal clip-on and I'm going to use it with my uh, my five to twenty-five. Uh, night force and the reality is that the thermal clip-ons that are on the market especially the ones that are affordable aren't designed to be used with that much magnification so the thermals that are even in the affordable range are going to be designed for low power uh, optics like a fixed low power optic like a like an ACOG 4x or a low power variable scope. So basically a one to four, one to six, one to eight. And ideally, uh, to get a good image, you're going to have to stay pretty much in the two to three X magnification range. So that pretty much disqualifies, uh, most day optics that people are intending to use with those, like the, you know, the coyote rigs or the long range hunting rigs that, that people want to use them with. It's just not going to work with, uh, with most, most clip ons. And so you have exceptions like the um, like the Trigicon UTC um, 12 micron, which is an excellent optic and will basically do all those things that people want them to do. But one, it's it's a military unit. Uh, it's not currently available. We got some a while back. I think we we got a handful of units uh, when there's a military contract overrun, but even then, even if you find them and they're available, they're going to be twenty thousand dollars plus, which is outside of most people's budget. So that that pretty much rules out clip-on thermal clip-ons for most people. And the ones that are on the market are going to be you know, uh, designed for lower lower magnification day optics. The image quality is going to be not so great. You're not going to have a lot of mounting options as, as far as uh, mounting them in front of a day optic. Some of them require like a coupling attachment to attach it to the bell of a day scope and you know, you're gonna have issues with that, with those moving around. Um, you're also gonna have other issues like point of impact shift with, uh, with the clip-on and image quality issues, field of view issues. So there's just, there's just a host of uh, issues that you're gonna run into with the uh, clip-ons, especially thermal clip-ons. Uh, so generally, we, we recommend that people go with a, a dedicated thermal scope. And a lot of the times, a dedicated thermal scope is going to meet the needs of most people. Like some people want to clip-on because they want to switch it from rifle to rifle. Well, most, most dedicated scopes on the market right now allow you to uh, store different presets. So you can, you can save a zero for three different guns, uh, sometimes more. Uh, or different different loads, either subsonic, supersonic, or suppressed, unsuppressed. So uh, that gives you ability that gives you the versatility that a lot of people are looking for when they're looking for a clip-on. Um, most uh, most quality thermal scopes these days have quality uh, quick detach, return to zero mounts. So that resolves a lot of issues that people have in terms of you know wanting a day rig and a night rig. If you can get a quality um, return-to-zero scope mount for your day scope and a quality return-to-zero mount for your thermal, then it's definitely possible to switch from one rig to another uh, that way. So that resolves a lot of issues that people have and reasons why
0: people are looking for clip-ons. That's a good answer. Um, I concur. (laughs) What what do you guys have? You got what can you chat for are you getting close to cutoff time or you got about ten minutes or what are you at?
3: I I got a roll. I'm sitting here at Mr. Robinson's house and they're waiting on Dude. me. Dude.
2: Chris, come on.
1: But uh
0: if you came up here <laughs> Rich,
1: I'm I have Richard.
2: Rich, yeah. Rich I you gave can my,
1: I gave my yeah, I gave my kids an
0: iPad there <laughs> there's some so chews they're on the floor.
1: They're better than mine anyways.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay cool right. hell yeah yeah Tyler <laughs> thanks for taking
0: yeah. the time yeah. if you don't care uh we'll just keep rich on and we'll freaking hammer it out
1: okay I think I'm on a three-way call with Tyler so I might have to call back in
0: oh you will okay uh yeah do that dude we'll do you, for like another 15 minutes
1: okay yeah I' am a time
0: All right, cool. Tyler, just call my cell. Rich, just call my cell. I'm
3: going to go kill something. Tyler, good luck, dude. Let me
0: me know how it goes. Thanks, buddy. We'll do another one soon.
2: It's going to go smash. Rich Rich is going to call back in. Dude, Rich knows his shit. Well, yeah. Maybe we should have just called Rich. Yeah, we should have just left Tyler out of this. He's calling your house. No, I bet
0: you not. Oh. He doesn't, I don't think he knows what my house number is.
2: Well, here, I'll tell him.
0: <laughs> I could call him too.
2: <coughs>
0: Dude, Recon 3 is smoking it out. I know,
2: my watch is going crazy.
0: I need to talk to, I need to, I should have wrote a bunch of, lit, a bunch of, uh, I should have wrote a bunch of uh, Of uh, questions down because I was going to ask him about, there's, there's a few more things I want to ask him about, like vehicle mounted thermals. Don't let me forget that. I not ask Rich about it. The Rove? Yes. Rich, what's up, dude? Can you hear me? Hey, James. Cool, dude. Hey, uh, before I forget, I was going to ask you about vehicle-mounted thermals. What's What uh, are some of the options that you have with the Rover? Explain to us that setup real quick.
1: Okay. Well, um, the Rover, we... Um, initially offered in a 19 millimeter, which um, gives you a nice wide field of view. I think it's a little bit less than 1x, um, and then a 35 millimeter version. Hey, is, before uh, the
0: what's the price point on each? Just so guys know, like the 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 19 millimeter, what are you at?
1: 19 millimeters, eight thousand, and then the 35 millimeter is nine thousand. And then um, we have a dual unit also that's a um, 35 millimeter wide field of view 640, and then a 100 millimeter um, really high magnification 320 sensor. So it's got two different sensors in it. Um, we're uh, we're in the middle of kind of transitioning from a Mark One uh, rover to a Mark Two. So the Mark Two is going to go from a 640 17 micron to a 640 12 micron and the first unit the first unit that we're going to offer is going to be a 19 millimeter 640 12 micron so it'll be equivalent to the um the 35 millimeter mark one
0: so uh are, are those in what are those for if a guy wants to get into one of those um we ran one for a year. Do you use one of those quite a bit when you're out hunting pigs?
1: Yeah. I use a Rover every night. Yeah. I mean, that.
0: how do you, um, what's the best way to use it for you? Do you just kind of angle it at a 45 and scan along roadways or what, what do you, how, how do you set it up?
1: i most, I mostly have it pointed straight ahead because for me, hunting, hunting from a vehicle and covering a lot of ground. Um, that's the area that I can't see with thermal. So it's, basically the windshield, the windshield area. So that's usually where I have it. And then I'm scanning out, out of the window with uh, my helmet mounted night uh, or helmet mounted thermal.
0: And what are you looking at cost wise, or sorry, the, uh, the wait time to have those fabricated Are you, do you guys have those in stock or the, you you guys building them or.
1: We'll, we're building them as fast as we can. We got a, we got a pretty hefty lead time right now. Um, uh, We've got a lot of, a lot of orders that we're, we're still scrambling to fill. I think right now ETA on on those if you ordered now is around uh, February 2021.
0: That ain't too bad then. It's not no. bad. It's not too bad. That's good. Yeah,
1: it- I mean, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to start cranking them out in, in higher quantities. Right now, it's just uh, it's Tyler and Anthony building them, <laughs> so <laughs> they're trying to build them as fast as they can, but, uh, but having trouble keeping up, and also. Uh, this year, it's been it's been a struggle just to get uh, components and everything for it.
0: Have you seen demand uh, demand slow down, or is you, have you seen demand increase this year?
1: This year, demand is way up, and I think that's that's been the case in pretty much anything outdoor related, hunting related, shooting related, home improvement related. There's certain industries that have just uh, seen a huge increase in demand, and, and ours is one of them
0: what about like uh, UAVs what are you what are your thoughts on those drones using those with thermal you do that much or not
1: yeah we so we've dabbled in drones previously but up until recently the cost of having a full thermal drone setup has been pretty high I mean about you're talking about about twenty thousand dollars retail for a full Turnkey drone setup with a industrial drone and, and a gimbal and all that. Um, there's a new there's a new model that's out that um, I think is going to be really really popular. It's the um, Autel Evo 2 Dual, and that's I think ten thousand retail. Plus another another one of the biggest drawbacks with the previous drones is the just the sheer size of those things. I mean, um, if you're going out hunting that drone is going to take up the entire backseat of a truck uh whereas the, the new drone is the same about the same size as a, as a uh DJI Mavic and it's got the thermal and everything integrated with a 8k video camera offer for $10,000 so uh those are going to be those are going to make things uh a lot they're, it's going to make them a lot more affordable for people and a lot more usable for most people in their applications so, have you, have you used yeah. one before Yeah. I've been, I've been using the, uh, the hotel Evo and I mean, it's been amazing.
0: And so are you using that to, to get past a lot of legwork and a lot of driving? Do you go into like heavily wooded areas with those and float them up and, and locate basically herds of pigs?
1: Yeah, it, it's really, um, made things more efficient for us, especially on certain properties. There's, I mean, some properties you're going to have cattle where, um, and other animals where it's going to be harder to distinguish between those animals and pigs uh, from the heights that you need to fly. Like if, if, you're, if you fly too low um, trying to ID the animals, then you're going to spook them. But if you're too high, you're going to have a hard time distinguishing between like a cow and a, and a pig unless it's a, a big group of pigs and they're all running around. So certain properties, it's not going to be a huge benefit, but other properties, I mean, it's just insanely helpful. If you don't, if it's just agricultural fields and stuff like that, um, areas that aren't so wooded, I mean, you can fly basically straight up and just spin the drone around and see exactly where the where the pigs are within seconds. That's... I mean, it saves you a ton of time having to drive around the scan, especially That's... if you have prop, especially if you have properties that have changes in elevation um, dips and hills and stuff like that, where if you're on the ground looking, you may not see, um, a group of animals that's, that's pretty close to you just because the elevation changes.
0: That's being efficient too. I mean, that's just so much less driving around footprint. I mean, it's, it's, I can see that being a, a necessity. Um,
1: Oh yeah, big time. And especially properties that have uh, a lot of cross fencing and gates and stuff. If you can scan an entire property without having to open a single gate, I mean, that's, that's killer.
0: So dude, down there, what are you getting into pig wise? I mean, are you, we're, it's, we're, we have no idea the, the scenario that you guys are in with the, the hog situation other than what we see on YouTube or, you know, TV shows up here. You Same thing with, with what we're doing other than you knowing what we do or how we do it with the videos that we send you, the footage that we send you. Down there, what are you, how hard is it to get into some of those ranches? Do you build relationships with some of those ranchers? Or do, I mean, do you guys find, uh, you know, guys that hire you to come out or how, how do you do it?
1: um yeah i mean it's just something that that me and some friends have built up over time just through word of mouth um so you know you you help one landowner with a pig problem and then uh, you know maybe their neighbor or a friend from church or somebody they know or a family member a co-worker uh, they talk to somebody else who has a pig problem and then they refer uh, our contact information to them and so we get access to that property and kind of just snowballs from there. It it took a while to build, build up like a critical mass of properties where we'd have places to hunt. But um, the good thing about hog hunting in Texas is as long as landowners trust you and they feel like you're going to be effective, then they're more than happy to let you go and shoot pigs on their property.
2: Do you guys Uh, see like the hog numbers up from year to year or down for say like up here, you know, coyotes, you know, we might kill X amount one year and then the next year it's tougher and hell to kill one. But do you guys see that down there with hogs?
1: Down here with hogs overall, it seems like it's going up and up exponentially every year on a lot of the properties that we hunt. The numbers have gone down significantly. Like it's awesome when we get a new property that we haven't hunted before. There's hogs everywhere, but after, 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 a few weeks or a few months of hitting it pretty hard uh, the populations really go down and, and we've seen um, some properties even really large properties where the numbers just haven't come back up but it depends i mean depends what the food source is and right where it is and everything like that but yeah overall the prop the numbers are going up we're killing more and more every year and i don't know if that's a factor of more pigs or us just being more efficient or a little bit of both. It's right. probably a little bit of both.
0: So what do you see in for an average, if you could just guesstimate on a yearly average from where you live to how far you drive and hunt every, you know, throughout the year, every week or every other day that you go out, what's your radius, your kill radius, how far you go out and, and get into these? Um, p-
1: I'm mostly staying in East Texas and I'm driving probably farther than I used to just because um, some of that property up there by the Red River, kind of bordering Oklahoma or even in Southern Oklahoma, all that, all that cropland, there's just so many pigs out there that it's worth it to make a drive up there. And so I'm going once or twice a week and driving anywhere from like an hour and a half to two hours to one way to get where i'm going to hunt
0: and then what do but, you do I mean, do you sleep in your vehicle or do you got a buddy that's got a place up there or what
1: no we just on all night personally I, me personally i run up there on weeknights because it's uh, less disruptive on family time so i just usually wait till wait till the kids go to bed and i i get in my truck and make a run up there and we hunt all night and just try to make it back before eight o'clock so i can be here at my desk answering calls
0: and emails for,
2: for night vision stuff. <laughs> we call we call that vampire my vampire <laughs> mode. We're
0: we're gonna get a bunch <laughs> of t shirts made called vampire mode.
2: I like it. I like
0: it. That's pretty cool, dude. Yeah, it is. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah,
1: it's it's a grind, but man, it's it's worth it, and it doesn't. I don't have to have too much sleep to talk to people about night vision. I can kind of do that almost at my sleep, so it works out pretty well.
0: That's pretty solid, dude. So, what? Uh, what? Who do you usually hunt with? You don't usually go solo. Who do you take with?
1: Um, I usually go with at least one person. I like hunting solo; it's pretty fun. I mean, it's just nice because I got a lot of gear and and stuff that I like to test out, and I always like to mess around with uh with filming stuff and getting unique footage. So when I'm with myself, I can kind of mess around with stuff like that without annoying other people. Yeah. But most of the time recently I'm hunting with at least a buddy, my buddy Estian, he's a farmer up there, um, on some of the properties that we hunt up there or, or some other friends. But I mean, we try to, I'd rather hunt with just one or two other people cause it starts getting crowded in that little Tacoma. If you try to stack four, four people in there plus gear. What, uh,
0: what are you saying your, your body count is on average weekly? Or just an average, a night that you go out, the average night that you go out throughout the year. What do you? How many are you stacking up?
1: Um, this year, especially lately, we've been killing between twenty and thirty every time we go
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what do you do with them? I mean,
2: you, you freaking, you stack them, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll. I mean, if you if you follow our social media, you see you know we'll pile them up and take a picture. Yeah. Late lately, we haven't even been doing that. We just shoot them and we walk up to them and take a little picture and put it on, put it on our Instagram stories and then move on.
2: Do you ever um, shoot is, coyotes off them then, or no?
1: Um, or will a
2: coyote eat one?
1: Yeah, the coy- the coyotes will eat them. We don't do that too much. If it's if it's really convenient for us, we'll shoot a coyote. Like if we see one, we can just pop one out of the window of the truck or just hop out real quick and shoot one. We will. But I, I, I'm too ADHD to sit around and call coyotes or sit on a bait pile. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh dude, that's funny. So, uh, we would be, we'd do the same damn thing. Yeah, it would be, we're, we're too ADHD to freaking sit and wait for a cat to come in, you know? So mm-hmm. we're there for 15 minutes. As soon as we freaking do our job, then we're loading up and heading out. So, I could see yeah. That.
1: yeah, it's more fun. I mean it feels it feels more like hunting if you're on the move. Yeah.
2: And are you filming every night that you're hunting then?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. I mean it, it varies in terms of the quality. Sometimes we like I like to at least get some footage like through the scope. Um, yeah. and if I if I can I'll try to get some third person footage. But a lot of times I mean most of the time I'm setting up the filming rig on a tripod and right. and so I'm carrying carrying that plus my rifle and and my shooting tripod when I stalk in on a group of pigs and I'll try to set up the filming tripod and point it in the right direction and and you know hope that hope that it catches something cool yeah and it works, you know, what, it works what's sometimes. your guys yeah. like your you so work out other games. yeah
2: what's like your humidity down there I know like up here when it's way cold our our contrast our, our footage is super good. How was that for you guys down there through your thermals?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, in the summer, the humidity is super high. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, cool, cool, crisp nights are are pretty nice. Right. We get some good footage. I'd say sometimes I would say it's 50-50. Right. Sometimes we have nice clear nights. Sometimes we have pretty humid, nasty
0: nights. Yeah. So, dude, if you're stacking that many and you're going out and you're being able to go through numerous pieces of equipment, you know, I mean, obviously with what you do, you, you've got hands on a ass load of different stuff and you can easily determine what is going to work good for you, what you like versus what's not. What's your setup, your rig on foot? Like I'm not saying on the vehicle with a Rover or a drone, take that stuff out. When you go out on foot, what do you have on your head and what do you have on your rifle? What do you have in your pocket or on your pack regarding any kind of thermal or night vision
2: that you use?
1: Um. Well, me personally, I have the skeet IR on my helmet, and I'd say a helmet having a helmet-mounted thermal unit is is pretty essential for me. Like I feel I feel handicapped without. Um, a helmet-mounted thermal unit.
2: I think there. a helmet-mounted thermal, nice. uh, thermal here has doubled our kills.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's big-time useful. So, I mean, Skeet IR, if it, you know, if if you can't get a Skeet IR, get something else like the IRA MH25, something like that. A helmet-mounted thermal is going to increase your, your effectiveness a ton. Um, the weapon scope that I have on my rifle Uh, currently I have a pulsar thermion xg50 and an xp50 honestly like I could probably use any one of a number of thermal scopes and and have the same pretty much the same performance a lot of them are gonna you're gonna be of a kill with all of them I use the pulsars just because it's easy it's just easy to record with them and it's nice to have rechargeable batteries so with as much as I hunt I don't I don't want to have anything that I have to use off-the-shelf batteries with and I want to have something that's easy to record with and has decent video quality so that's kind of a unique requirement that I have but if I didn't have those requirements I mean there's probably any one of a number of scopes that I could use.
0: Yeah that's you're you're really really speaking exactly of what we do and how we do it it's just the, when we were using those treasure units, we got freaking an overwhelming amount of guys that wanted to know how the hell we were recording and getting that footage. And I'm like, you don't even want to know. You don't, yeah. you, mm-hmm. if, if you knew, you would not do it just because no. it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a it's, shit show, dude. But I mean, we were, we got real efficient with it, but you're powering two units with a power core. You're We were running a, a separate editing program on the camera while we went, you know, the, it, it, I freaking just, if we could get something on that level that would have onboard recording would completely change our game just completely. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm waiting for. That's what I'm hoping will be the next progression. If the, if the resolution of the sensors is kind of at a plateau and some of these performance things are at a plateau that hopefully the manufacturers will at least catch up in terms of um, features and, recording capability and stuff like that because for a lot of people um that's going to be really important i mean even if you're not if you're not producing a tv show or doing a youtube channel or or running a big social media page or something like that it's nice to have good quality footage to show your friends review what you're doing right what you're what you're doing wrong um you know whether you you pulled a shot or or uh, something's you know something's off with your rifle so stuff like that it's just it's just nice to have in some of those features. I think that's, that's where a lot of the manufacturers have, have fallen short up, up until now and, and still now, is that none of, those, none of those scopes have all the features that you'd really want, or at least um, if they have the features, there's always something missing. So um, I'm hoping something's on the horizon that just has everything. I mean, that may be unrealistic, but
0: it would be nice. So on, do you want to say something?
2: Yeah. What's your, what's your guys' turnaround rate for say, how often is somebody upgrading a system, a thermal?
1: I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I, I don't change much. I find something that works for me and I just stick with it. Right. Unless, you know, unless we need to get footage with a, a different scope or something like that.
2: Then I I'll, mean, I'll as switch. far as like, like your customers, I mean, does a guy trade it in or does he buy something new every two years or how's that, what do you, See on that. Oh
1: man, that's that's totally up to the individual. And I mean, everybody knows people like that. Some people will upgrade, just like people upgrade their phone. Right. Mean, they have to have the latest thing. They'll keep a scope for two weeks, and they'll they'll sell it off, okay. and they'll they'll buy the next thing, and then the next thing, and the next thing.
2: So, do you guys it's, take trade ins then, or no?
1: We we don't. I mean, gotcha. we're just not yep. set up for right. it. I mean, we're we're you know there's only a few of us and yep. uh, it's just not efficient right. to uh, buy and sell used stuff. So we generally don't, Right. But yeah, it depends. I mean, a lot of people turn over gear like crazy. A lot of people stick with stuff a long time. Some people will do it based on warranty. They'll, you know, if they know their warranty is about to be up, they'll sell it like six months or a year before their warranty is up and switch to something else, which makes sense, especially if you have something that's expensive. Yeah. Um, so it just depends. But, I mean, a lot of these scopes, I mean, the Trijicon scopes, it's not like they're going obsolete. The Trijicon scopes are still kind of on the top in terms of performance, and those have been out for, for five years now. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you wanted to hold on to a scope, you definitely could.
0: So, you said something, another thing that's really close to what we do. And when we, we went, you know, played, we were fortunate to play college sports, and that is one of the things... That We would do religiously is watch film for anything, you know, even for track when you're doing starts people you would watch you would watch that and a lot of people overlook the filming aspect when we film even during the day we relate that back to what we do because you can tell fundamentals there's a lot of times where you're watching that animal come in or like you said if you're filming through the scope at night you can see you know what's going on how you know what what you did wrong. What's working? What's I mean, what are the? What do you real quick before I before I forget the XG or not even that the thermions. I I agree hundred percent with what you. I like the trails because of the fact that it has one battery that you can you can remove it and replace it with your eyes closed, and up here where we are where it's cold. Being able to have another, you know, a ten or twenty-hour pack in your pocket to be able to put in, what are you seeing on those thermions for somebody that was up here in the cold? How, I mean, it, and I'd say, imagine what you're seeing down there to zero degrees up here. How much more beneficial would it be for us to run, say, a trail versus a thermion unit? Just that's, just looking that's at.
1: It's hard to say because I don't have the personal experience with it, and, and that's the question I get pretty often on the Thermion is about battery life and what's the total runtime. I Down here, I don't know what the actual runtime is because I'm usually putting my scope on standby or turning it off when I'm not looking through it, and I don't ever really have an issue with it not lasting the, the entire night. Your your, um, your
0: ambient temp's what, on average, 40s, 30s? Yeah, I mean,
1: the lowest at... I mean, this last, this past week got down into the 30s,
0: but yeah, most of the time, yeah, probably, see, probably 40s or e- 50s. Even when we're shutting that unit or putting it to sleep, I should say, when that unit's exposed for 45 minutes or an hour and it's a zero out and they're starting to accumulate frost on that on that, on that body, the housing of that thermal, that conducts to that battery and it, I mean, it, it takes the life out of it freaking quick. So I was just, most of the guys that asked me about, you know, well, what about the Thermion? I automatically say, dude, I can imagine, I don't know, because, you know, I don't know, but I could imagine that once those batteries get cold, it's going to be a little bit tougher to swap them out. And I would think that they would probably, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just thought I'd ask you and kind of see what you thought.
1: Yeah. If you're concerned about battery life, the Trail is going to be a better option than the Thermion. Um, if you're willing to run an external pack, you can run an external pack on the Thermion. And, and power it through the micro USB port. Um, one thing that I've found to be helpful is I have a little magnetic uh, plug for it, so you keep the little plug in the micro USB port, and then the cable has a magnet on it, also, and you can just pop that on there or pop it off as needed.
0: Oh, that's good. Charge thick. it or, or gotcha. run it that way. Yeah, that. There that you way go. you don't
1: have to. Yeah, that way you don't have to worry about tearing up the port. And I mean, theoretically, you could. You know, you could buy several spare APS 3 batteries, the larger capacity batteries for the Thermion and, uh, and do it that way. I don't, I don't know personally how well they'll do in the cold uh, or what, what type of run times, uh, that you'll get in the cold since I don't hunt in those conditions. So maybe that's, that's something we need to get y'all a, a scope so you can, you can do some experiments with it. But we could um, let it sit out. The first. batteries are, the batteries are easy to switch out in the Thermion. Um, I'd say as easy or easier than the trail, but the capacity is just not as high for those uh, those batteries. It's basically an eight, a proprietary 18650 battery. Is what okay. it's using.
2: Gotcha. Speaking of magnet, do you guys have any uh, magnetic IR pods? Magnetic. Just an IR pod that that would magnetize onto a bumper or anything like that
0: for 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 infrared for. The PBS fourteen. I don't want to hardwire or I don't want to drill holes and shit yet. <laughs> so, would like to magnetize. Oh,
1: um, like an illuminator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we don't, we don't have anything like that, but um, yeah, that's something to consider.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Like a magnetic like, mount. A guy with, could just uh, get those nasty magnets and JB welded onto a
2: pot or something or a flashlight or you know Yeah. 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 I'd
1: imagine I'd, I'd imagine there's a there's a commercial solution for those cuz I mean although not a whole lot of people are using the IR lights there's probably tons of people are using white light cubes and, and light bars and stuff like that who who've already um, thought about that so right. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a commercial solution.
0: Cool dude. Well I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we can touch. Is, is there anything on your end that you're thinking that I, I just kind of wanted to talk to you guys about details and thermal, you know, the the technical aspects and night vision as well. Just so guys you know, give them some information. And and I think we, we covered everything pretty damn thoroughly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, everybody's different. I would say a lot of stuff that you read online, take it with a grain of salt. Um, there's going to be some truth to it, but also things, opinions get really extreme online and, and people get, uh, bogged down in, in some of these minute details that don't matter too much. Like a lot of the gear that's available, like all the stuff that we sell, it's quality gear. It's not going to make a huge difference what you buy. Um, it's going to be, you know, just look at preferences and, and features and, and your budget and kind of what's important to you and make that decision because, you know, whether you buy a Pulsar or you buy a Trigicon, or you buy an Envision, um, they're all going to do the job. They're all going to work for you. There's just going to be some minor differences between them. So it's not a life or death decision. Um, It's going to be, a lot of it's going to be based on preference. But so, I mean, um, trying it out is one of the best ways to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. So use the rental program. If you don't know anybody who, who uh, has a thermal that you can look through or night vision that you can look through or give us a call and I mean, we can answer all your questions. We've used all the gear. Um, we'll shoot you straight. I'll tell you, you know, whether, whether you need to spend the money or, or you don't need to spend the money, we're not going to, we're not going to pressure you to buy something more expensive than you need to, or, or buy something that uh, is not really going to fit your needs.
2: So Yeah, guys, give like- us a call. Yeah, what's yeah, all your is what's you guys' social media stuff? What's your information? How does a how does a guy maybe you should check you
0: out? You should post. <laughs> you should be asking us so you exploit our stuff instead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, we're you can find us
1: pretty easy. Google uh, UltimateNightVision dot our website. YouTube's under Ultimate Night Vision. Facebook and Instagram are also Ultimate Night Vision.
0: And you so are the you're go ahead, go ahead.
1: We're on all the major tubes.
0: You're the mastermind behind the YouTube channel.
1: I do. I do spend a lot of time on on the YouTube and social media.
0: I mean, primarily right. you are the one that does the runs the Ultimate Night Vision YouTube channel, right? I mean, pretty much night. That's per- true. Yeah. So yeah. How how's that going, real quick? I mean, you guys are smashing. What what's your guys' subscriber base right now about?
1: Uh, we are almost up to seven hundred
0: thousand. Oh, YouTube. dude! I was gonna say, are you at a half a million? Oh, jeez! What do you guys get a day? Views or subscribers? Um, so right. how, yeah, your subscribers. What does it go? How much you get in a day?
1: I don't know. It it ebbs and flows. I think right now it's. I haven't made. It, I haven't posted a video in over. I think since the beginning of September. Um, really? But I think we're getting around 300 or 400 subscribers a day. Wow. And and
2: like on, what do you normally try and put up as far as footage on YouTube a day or a week or month?
1: Um, I had been uploading about once a month, but, um, it's just been so busy this year. I haven't had time to really edit stuff. So I haven't really posted anything since September.
2: We've
1: just been too busy work-wise. I feel guilty if I'm, if I'm not answering phone calls and emails, uh, and I'm on, I'm posting on social media. So that's
0: cool, dude. That's, cr- <laughs> so, that's uh, awesome.
1: Uh, I got a lot of footage, uh, kind of stored up, and so as soon as we we get some downtime, um, work-wise, yeah, I'll be putting up a lot of content.
0: Right. What what uh. On on your, so. What are you seeing on on the YouTube channel? Regarding, here, here's what I was gonna ask: what What do you? When do you get your plaques? <laughs> you get one at a hundred thousand, and do you get one at a half a you, million?
1: You You get one at a hundred thousand, and one at a million.
0: Jeez, oh, you're gonna get both of them, fuckers, dude. <laughs> Is Tyler was letting you have them? He better let you have them and hang them up.
1: Yeah, I have the I have the hundred thousand one hanging on my wall. My daughter dropped it on the driveway the day that I got it. So it's got a little ding in it, but it's oh, up on my wall.
2: That's pretty good. Added cool character, a little character to it. No big deal. Uh,
1: that's yeah. cool. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to getting that, uh, that million dollar or the million subscriber plaque. That That'll is a, crazy. That accomplishment.
2: That is
0: just, dude, that's a feat that 99.9% of people on this earth will never even be a part of. That's cool as shit. That's, Thank
1: you. Yeah. It's, it's a struggle, but it's, it's rewarding. I mean, it's a lot of work, especially, especially you know, in in the political environment and kind of how who run, run social media and the bias that they have against us.
0: Just um, just imagine, the like you said, two A. Yeah, exactly. Look at the like if you if you could break down the algorithm and and see how much it's against or not for or trying to unpromote anything that guys like you put up. Imagine if it was equal across the board. What you would have,
1: you It'd know, be amazing.
0: It would. You would have a million subscribers probably a couple years ago.
1: Oh yeah, y'all, y'all too. I mean, the age restrictions and demonetizations are the biggest things. I mean, those those are
0: huge hurdles. You know, hey, let's do this. I'm at a, I'm at an hour, dude. Let's just let's do another podcast with you if you don't care and do one on that let's just do a podcast on strictly like social media and just sit down because you know way more than I do I try to get on and look at my you know the the analytics and how many views I'm getting where they're coming from but I don't break that stuff down to the level of like you how how well you know I don't know if it's going to benefit me that much because of the you know we only have a measly 50,000 subscribers compared to what you guys have going on. And if I can learn something from you or the guys that are out there listening to us, that would be an awesome podcast, dude. If you wouldn't mind, let's do that.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm totally on board with that. That's that's like my thing. I love, I love all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's a struggle, but it's also kind of like a fun game to play. It's, it's, you're just playing a game.
0: Absolutely. And then what, Hey, what's your thoughts on camera equipment? I mean, do you, do you follow a lot of stuff like on like the newer cameras, you know like i know you know your stuff on on shutter speed on a fast lens you know your aperture 1.4 2. whatever whatever you're running at night do you do do you get off on a lot of that stuff when you record like kind of how we do during the daytime stuff with our camera models and even say your editing setup your 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 tower uh, your your processor how much hard drive space you have do you have a particular setup regarding that that a guy could maybe do part of a podcast with also if we went into that?
1: Man, I'm, I'm all about that. That's,
0: that's
2: okay. definitely
1: stuff that I'm interested in. I don't have like the most sophisticated setup, but I mean, I'm looking, I'm sure we have the same or similar issues that we run into, like as far as just, um, space, like yes. I'm yep. trying to figure out a good solution for, for workflow and having enough hard drive space to archive files and just be able to do stuff efficiently. Cause I mean, if you're shooting 4k video or 4k 60 or even 4k 30 um anything like that i mean you're going to fill up your computer drive really quickly and then you got to have an external drive solution where you can't have you can't have a stack of 20 um external hard drives so i was i started looking at the uh, network attached storage and getting a 10 gigabit home network and stuff like that so like, a, not, like a
0: NAS box and getting into that. I mean, I've looked at some of that shit and there's some good stuff. I've got, I've got probably 10, 10, one to four terabyte externals that I have labeled in the past few years. And last year, we really kind of tried to start gravitating towards 4k. And I could tell from the amount of the amount of memory that it took up to what you have to do to edit that freaking, I am. Almost, I'm not regretting it, but there is definitely a, a massive slowdown there, and there's a bottleneck in that. And if you don't fix it, you're gonna be freaking slowed way down.
1: Oh yeah, are you using Premiere?
0: Yeah, I am. I'm on the cloud. I've got Premiere, so I do a lot of uh, a lot of Lightroom, a little bit of Photoshop, and primarily Premiere for the video ed- All Premiere for the video editing. Uh. But yeah,
1: I, I try to use Premiere, and it was just I don't know. It's just. I've been using Final Cut for so long that Premiere was just—I uh, could not—I could not get get with it. And Dude,
0: let's let's Premiere
1: doesn't yeah Premiere doesn't run well
0: on on Mac. Okay, well let's I mean, let's let's go let's talk about that because I started with Vegas Pro, but when I started doing it and then I like I fixed, wasn't working with a graphics card, so I swapped over to Premiere Pro and I haven't looked back. But Kind of a personal preference. Let's just knock out. I'll, I'll write a whole bunch of write down a whole bunch of talking points, and I'll do the same thing. And let's do a podcast on that, dude. On the YouTube thing, everything from analytics to the algorithm that you think, how you set yours up for success. Because obviously, you're successful in what you're doing. If you have three quarters of a million YouTube subscribers, and you're gonna have a million soon. That's freaking awesome, oh, yeah. dude. I could
1: I could talk forever on, on that sort of thing. Let's
0: do that. We'll knock out an hour and a half podcast. Let's try and do that maybe even before Christmas. That would be an awesome one before Christmas if you don't I'll just shoot you a text and maybe this week write some information down. Let's do that because I've had guys that have wanted us to do a podcast on the cameras and we could run through lenses, kill cameras, how we record at night, what we were doing, and then you know when we the storage. And then even the towers, the 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 computers, the internals of what we're running, you know, the RAM, the amount of RAM, the graphics cards, the 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 processors, everything in our towers, to the displays and the screens, all that. Let's let's do it, dude. Okay. Cool. I'm in. Hey, so put a plug. You you ultimatenightvision.com. Everybody knows what you do. You guys have Ultimate Night Vision on YouTube, Ultimate Night Vision on Instagram, Facebook. You guys just put up a. For those of you guys that are listening to us, we were just watching it tonight. Keith and I were, you guys just smashing, running over bodies, doing just crushing <laughs> pigs. That video is gonna hit a million. So you just posted that on Facebook.
1: Uh huh. And it's nowhere yeah, else. It's
0: it's on Facebook with about a million views. You didn't put that on YouTube. You didn't put that on Instagram. Well, it is on Instagram, but
1: it's. I put on Instagram. It it got a really good response for Instagram for us. I think it had like. I mean, we just don't, we just don't get that much reach on Instagram, but I think it got 7,000 shares, which is like.
0: Wow. Wow. On Instagram it did.
1: Yeah. It was the, yeah, the analytics are odd. It got like 7,000 shares, but I think we only got maybe, let's see the insights. Yeah. 7,600 shares. And we only got thirty three followers on it.
0: That's Jeez. not even right. So I don't
1: I don't know what's going on with Instagram, but um
0: same thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: On, on Facebook yeah, Instagram's kind of been the worst. Facebook Facebook was pretty bad, but we've been getting some traction lately on Facebook, so I've been spending a little more time on it. Um but really? we're yeah, we're almost it's got that video's got a million views on Facebook and then we're we're pretty close to a hundred thousand followers on Facebook now.
0: Wow. Wow. I haven't even been looking at that. I have not even been checking your guys. That's good for you, man, for doing that. That's cool. That's yeah. Awesome. They,
1: for a while when they did the sensitive content thing, everything was basically getting flagged as sensitive content and we got almost zero reach. It's kind of loosened up a little bit. Like, huh. um, yeah, re- recently our videos have been, they've been getting a little bit of traction. So I don't, I guess they made some changes or, We've been flying under the radar for a while and, and haven't had a bunch of PETA people reporting us.
0: Cool, dude. Not sure. Good for you guys, man. That's awesome to hear. We definitely are going to do a YouTube, uh, uh, a social media and a, a camera podcast, editing, all that. We're going to write it down. We're going to go into detail on how you set your... I mean, there's no reason to have secrets on it. I mean, ninety nine, like I said, 99% of people out there that even do what you do, and try to, I should say, do what you do and try to do it on, on social media are never going to equate to what you've got. So you might as well help them out. Might as well tell them, you know, how you do well, it. Shoot, it
1: only, yeah, it only, it, it doesn't hurt us for other people to grow. It only helps if other people grow. Exactly. And I mean, I will talk people's ear off about everything I know about you too. And, it, <laughs> until, and that's what you want to, Until
0: you want me to stop, so... Yeah, dude, absolutely. And this way, maybe we can reach a few thousand people instead of having to, you know, take time out of your day to talk to guys about that. Because there's guys that want to talk to us about it, but we're nothing on the... We're a hundredth of what you guys are. That's cool. And always... That's that's what our goal is here, man. Talk to guys like you that are... I'd call you a subject matter expert on that. How how the hell could you not? So, that'd be... I'd agree.
1: I'd agree. I mean, and... Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why y'all shouldn't be up there. I mean, it's the like we're we got the majority of our views off of y'all's content, so uh, it it makes. I mean, it's obvious that people want that content. You just, it's just.
0: Well, you're the one that put it. You were, you put it together, dude. I mean, we just got the frostbite.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's cool. That's awesome to be though. That that makes us feel good. That's awesome that you guys are a part of that and, and if we could have you know got some cool stuff along the way that you guys are using awesome uh it's cool we hopefully our plan is this year is you know it's been a shit show year man so it's bent everybody over so our goal is to bend her ass over before she goes out at the end of the year
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what we're gonna try All to right, do well
1: looking forward to it
0: awesome rich hey man i appreciate it i'm glad you are definitely very knowledgeable about all the stuff that we're talking about and if i get hit up from guys that have questions i'm just going to start writing them down and i think the easiest thing to do would be to maybe knock out another podcast because then saves everybody you know a little bit of breath let guys listen to it talk for an hour go into detail on stuff and point them in this direction say here you go man that'd be good cool dude I appreciate it, Rich. You take care down right. there, and let's let's plan on that on the on the the YouTube podcast. Let's do that. I would enjoy that a lot, and I think a lot of other guys out there would too. That'd be cool.
1: Sounds good. Looking forward to it.
0: All right, buddy. You hey, take thanks care. Thanks for your time, sir. All
1: right. Thanks for having me on. Y'all have a good one.
0: Yep. Kill all those pigs down there, buddy. Will do. Later. Bye. And
2: that's cool and rich knows his
0: shit yeah he does hot man he hammers he that's what that's what i wanted to get on because i wanted to talk to guys about the night vision the thermal how you know the details on everything so that guys had an idea so that guys knew because you deserve to know at least there's guys that we talk talk, like dude you know what 640 is versus a 384 or the three what no,
2: they don't No, They're like,
0: like, do you care? And like, uh, some of them don't, but I'm like, you probably should. If they knew they would. I yeah. mean,
2: if, you know what I mean?
0: Exactly. And most of the guys just say like, they're like Hey dude, I've got this much money. This is what I want to get. Yeah. And so when you do that more, if you talk to us or you talk to rich, you're going to get put into a unit that you are not going to be disappointed right. in and the deal with us is what we like to do is we use the equipment. And we tell you what we think about it. Or you go somewhere else, like I said, you go to some of these big retailers that just sell the shit, you're going to go talk to somebody that's going to yep. blow 100% yep. smoke right up your ass. And never have ran. Never or have used it. Probably never looked through it. Maybe went out to the parking lot and pulled it out of the box. I think or, you're giving them too much credit. <laughs> probably. You know. and, and it's and nothing against that, but that is what you get. Yeah. You know?
2: I, but that's just a big retail store.
0: That's what they the do. Way they do it, yeah. Exactly. You go to a gun store there, and if you're looking for details about a gun, probably don't go talk to the guy behind the counter. Yeah, because he he thinks he knows more than he does. Yeah. Sometimes we're that way too. That's why we get guys like Rich on. Yeah. That's or Tyler. the whole reason for Rich and Tyler tonight. That's the whole reason for our podcast to get subject matter experts on that know more about like the shit Richard a lot, r- rattled off. That's that's what we want you guys to hear. So. If we say something wrong, you can call us out. Yeah, That's pretty That's awesome. That was a good one. That was a good one. So what I think we are going to do, you and I talked about this, and that is not blinking at me yet. I was going to say, are that those, is not, are they that st- one will <laughs> hammer for all, that thing's plugged in, that'll hammer for, it'll go for 400 minutes. I've oh. got two memory cards, <laughs> and that will go for 400 minutes, which we're not going to, but we're at an hour 45. It's kind of go Give a little bit of a game plan out here because right now we're in a shit show. Uh, doing an add on for my parents, uh, we need to transition to night probably a little bit earlier this year because that's going to be one of our. Just because our night last year was
2: zero, we had none. But
0: and but we're also freaking tied up a lot during the day with what we're doing right now, so we need to start stacking bodies. Yeah, we need to. We've what we just took twenty of them to the guy last night. We threw you had them. And that was throw, a week's worth day footage. Yeah, which I, we did early before deer season a week before deer season and a month before we usually call usually we're just now starting right, right. now, but we'll get to it. But what I, what I think, like you said, what we're going to do here and we're going to give you a little bit of a, of a teaser, we're going to go into the next podcast. Well, depends on what riches that one of the, one of the podcasts, there might be
2: two more before Christmas
0: podcast possibly three right because less yep we might have a pretty cool one with that he said to me that he might come thursday i don't know if he's gonna come or come, be on the phone oh, he might come he out, might huh? come i okay. don't know i need to gotcha. ask he might stop out um we're going to go over the kill box and we're gonna do which a- that's been a long time coming man it's just been we were going to do it last year, and then last year turned into a complete shit show. Yeah. Not, not regarding the kills that we got there, but just with everything. You know how it goes. We're going to give that place every bit of credit where credit is due. But we want, what I kind of want to do is do that for a, a precursor, a predecessor
2: to the Killbox video yeah. that we're going to have coming. Well, like you said the other day, we're going to kill 50-plus coyotes out of the Killbox this year.
0: And we, we, we kill 50 out of there every year. I know that's an average. So that one year we killed more than that. Yeah. And I think that what we're seeing right now, if we can seven or eight a night, if we can shoot straight. We're going to, we're going to exceed that. Yep. Especially with the movement we're seeing this early. Right. That's what I mean. And with the, with the, the temperatures being what they are, which sucks. Terrible. 60 degrees today. I mean,
2: what'd you say? It's supposed to be 70 this week sometime. Yeah.
0: Like upper sixties tomorrow. And then, you know, if we could get a regular temperature where we're in the 30s during the day and in the teens, teens at night, yeah. oh, oh, it'll turn on. It yeah. will completely turn on. And it's it's good right now, but we're going to keep on rolling with the day footage. But what, like I said, what we want to do is you kind of heard at uh, the end of this convo with Rich about doing maybe a YouTube deal. But w- what our plan is, is to do a Killbox podcast and tell you guys. And you
2: got some Killbox youtube video videos coming out are gonna it's pretty much be kind of the same type same time i guess
0: yep we're gonna you probably know? release that yep. shortly after maybe a week two weeks depends on how everything goes maybe yep. a month after the podcast yep. just give you guys a little bit of a teaser of what what the kill box is how we use it how we meticulously set it up to our advantage a how lot long
2: we've we been killing out of there four years
0: well we've been doing it longer than that i but mean we as didn't far as filming set, yeah, yeah. You know what
2: I mean? All of our stuff.
0: Yeah, filming. Because we've been doing it for longer than that. Right. But regarding filming, yeah. Probably four to five years, I would say. Could go back and look at footage. Yeah. We're gonna show you guys how we do it, how we set up the, the, the buffer. Yeah, this shit isn't just thrown together. I mean it's there's a lot of time spent into the Yeah, you'll see it on the intro. Yeah. And it takes the you gotta have it. You gotta have the equipment to do it. And it's, it's like most guys probably unless you're a rancher, don't have the capabilities to do it yeah but a lot of guys will see it and they're like oh that's nothing new but we have a pretty damn good setup with just how not only how we have it set up but the the i would say the migratory route yeah of what the yeah. animals are yeah. right there There, there there is a very unique situation there where you can keep killing and killing and they just keep on moving in and we're going to kind of show you guys the layout we're not going to give you guys any gps coordinates and bullshit, cause and we might <laughs> accidentally mistake you as the coyote if you're covering our shit <laughs> But that'd be kind of a little bit of an idea. And then we're going to do a, podca- a couple podcasts on... Uh, we've got a whole list of guys, I was going to say, we got a
2: lot, of, a lot of different people that are...
0: we got to do one with Chad at LRI. We're going to do one with Fox Pro, J- Les Johnson, Eberly Stock. We just cr- crushed Ultimate Night Visions. Uh, we hammered Utah Air Guns last week. We got Michael Baclari from YouTube. We have David Kiff from PTG. From, from Loophole. Loophole, sorry, my bad. And uh, what we're going to kind of do is we're going to do some podcasts on... Some of our very successful sets last year, where we killed a couple filmed doubles in a, a 200 yard radius, 150 yard radius within probably three weeks' time. Well, we made three sets there. Three sets, three doubles, and about within three weeks, two, two doubles re- and a triple. Oh, you're right. Yes, two doubles and triple, yep. all within about 150 yard radius, and they're all on YouTube. Yep. And that's, I mean, we could brag about it, but we're just going to show you guys. Yeah. Hey, you know, a lot of guys, there's so many damn questions out there. It's blinking now. So many questions. The guys, hey, how fast can you go back to make a set? Because like, oh, you do it one time and you're done. Oh, you can do it every day. We'll tell you how you we can did it. You do it
2: as many times as you want. If the,
0: it's, yeah. Your it, success rate is, you know, changes. Exactly. And it could be, you just never know. Oh. But we'll tell you kind of how we do it and, and lay it out. That's it. That's that's the rundown. I hope you guys fell. I hope you fellas enjoyed it. I hope that you found it a little bit entertaining, but more importantly, informational. Hope you guys grasp some knowledge from it. You got anything to say? I don't. Once again, I'm James O'Neill with O'Neill Ops. This is Keith Rissey as co-host with. Predator Hunter podcast available on iTunes, Spotify. It's on the Anchor platform. A lot of guys can't find it. Look for Predator Hunter or search James O'Neill. And you'll find it. Be sure to check out O'Neill Ops on YouTube. Our goal is 100,000 subscribers. I think we're at like 55,000 right now. Subscribe, hit the bell. You'll be notified anytime we put up a new video. We've got a ton of them in the editing process. Instagram, you are. O'Neill Ops Predator, uh, pro staff. O'Neill Ops Pro Staff. I'm O'Neill Ops on Instagram. O'Neill Ops on Facebook. We even got Twitter, dude. I don't, don't want to get political, but I get on. You. I, Twitter, I can't handle that. I gotta Twitter, get. I, a freak on there. Too. I have to get political, guys. If you like guns, fucking wake up, <laughs> son of a bitch. If you carry a gun and you like guns, you should damn well know who to vote for, for crying out loud. We're out. Oh, my head is freaking getting in.
2: Ah.